Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back, ladies and gents, to the Sooner Nation podcast, the online podcast of CrimsonandCreamMachine.com. Man, it has been a long time, and I feel like we say that every time we come back, but the truth is, it has been a long time. The dog days of summer are winding down. The players have reported for camp, and camp has opened up. We are excited to talk about Oklahoma football once again, actually to talk about it with sustenance. We're going to be going through uh, the podcast season as we lead into the first uh, game of the year against Akron. We're going to give you as much preview information as we can on the Sooners. You can check out the podcast. We'll uh, make its debut every Thursday morning. And then following the season, uh, following the season kickoff, the opener against Akron, what we're going to do is we'll continue to do the Thursday uh, format, but the Thursday format will become more of a preview for that weekend's game. And then Sunday, we're going to move to the live show where if you got something you want to add to it via a text message or comment at crimsonandcreammachine.com, or even if you're bold enough to call us, uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts after the season starts on that game that happened on Saturday when we do the Sunday podcast. Let's bring in, as always, the partner in crime, uh, CC Machines, other writer. Well, actually, I can't say that anymore because we've actually added to our staff quite a bit. But Rich DeCray, you are the... Um, junior senior writer does that make sense like i've been around the longest and then after that it's you right it certainly is which doesn't seem as though it's something that has become a reality but that is the nature of the beast and we continue to plug along and always look for people who who can contribute in ways that say for recruiting we pulled along donnie and i'll say donnie's done an excellent job and i know that we've pulled on a couple of other people who i want to give a shout out to joey as well as cayman because crimson and cream's not anything if we don't have us as a collective body working together all bring your own unique talents and unique voice to the conversation the only bad thing about those guys is they have horrible choice in professional basketball teams. But, hey, that's, that's just a, a topic for another time. Okay, so uh, players reported on Wednesday to Norman. Everyone there except for two guys. Uh, Sooner coaching staff said afterwards that everyone they expected to be there was there. But the two guys notably absent are Austin Roberts, defensive end from NEO up in Miami, and then Dalton Wood from uh, McAllister, Oklahoma, Wood expected to uh, be a tight end. We're actually recruited as an athlete, but they expected him to play tight end. And you'll remember this kid. I mean, he came for summer workouts and then snuck out in the middle of the night on June 5th. Really, honestly, never to be heard from again. Um, I think there was a lot of speculation on maybe a lot of hope that he would return when the team uh, reported uh, on Wednesday, but shortly after they closed out, everyone reporting in, Dalton Wood was taken off of the roster. So to me, that means this kid's sooner career is over before it actually even started. But the, the news on Austin Roberts could be 
Uh, it could have a happy ending, so to speak, is what I put on crimsonandcreammachine.com. Uh, it looks like it's just some transcript issues, and his coach up at NEO says that could be resolved on Thursday. And, he, and his dad said, and Austin right now is in Georgia at home, but his dad said he's ready to go on a minute's notice. So hopefully that gets cleared up and this kid gets on campus because I think defensive end, I, I don't think this kid's going to come in and, and compete for a starting job. But I do think he, it's a position that they need depth at, and he's a kid that uh, can, can possibly provide that. Anything shock you about either one of those guys? I will say a little bit. Um, towards Dalton Wood. And you and I know people who live in McAllister. You and I have talked to people who live in McAllister. And I won't say that they had a personal relationship with him per se, but they at least knew who he was, knew people who interacted with him on a daily basis. And I love to see homegrown kids stay close to home. Dalton Wood, an Oklahoma product, going to the University of Oklahoma had some hopes for him there, as you mentioned. He was expected to play tight end, and tight end's one of those positions that each and every year we look, at least me personally, I look to see how they're going to use the tight end. Are we going to have the return of the tight ends? And it can never hurt to continue to add talent, especially when you've got guys who are transferring out from the position. So I was a little bit shocked that he didn't come back when the team reported back on Tuesday. Um, but outside of that, this Austin, help me out with the last name here, completely Austin, blindsided me. Austin, what is the kid we're talking about? Uh, it, sorry, I mean, Dalton, you mean, I'm sorry, I, I'm lost. Yeah. Uh, you're talking about the kid that didn't come from NEO? Correct. Roberts, sorry. Yeah, that one, that one just blindsided me a little bit. And I'm not the biggest guy into recruiting. I do leave that more to a guy like we've mentioned, Donnie, who follows that 24-7 and is always up on the know. So... Like I said, today was the first time that I had heard of that. I, I read your post about those two guys, and that one, as I said, blindsided me. But transferring always has its hiccups here and there. I transferred myself and ran into some of the same issues, credits not counting and different things like that. So I can see how that would be resolved down the road or with little effort, so to speak. Well, yeah, I mean, it's just it's one of those things. I think Mark Andrews is going to have an impact. He's a redshirt freshman from Arizona. We saw him at the spring game, and the hope was that Dalton Wood would come in and kind of provide life to a tight end position that's honestly been dormant for a long time now. Uh, Blake Bell wasn't the answer there. Um, there really hasn't been an answer there since James Hanna, and I even think James Hanna was underused. The guy's turning into a pretty good NFL guy with the Dallas Cowboys. He's been around for a while, but I, you know, the hope was Dalton Wood would be that kid, but I still think Mark Andrews is is a guy that's that's going to come in there and 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 be a you know I if if the tight end is going to come back, it's got to come back this year. And I know we we've said that a lot, but with the new offensive coordinator and new schemes and so forth, you look you look at Andrews and he's six six, um, what no six four something like that. No, he's six six, isn't he? Now, he's a big guy. Regardless, he's a big guy, like but pushing two fifty. Uber athletic. If he doesn't do it, I mean, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. But there's, you know, what do you got? Mark Andrews, Connor Knight, and Carson Meir are the guys on campus now, and they're all 6'3 plus uh, at tight end. So I'm not surprised by Dalton Wood. I'm more mystified because I want to know what happened. You know, it's not every day a kid gets a, a scholarship offer. Like you said, a homegrown kid gets a scholarship offer. And then disappears. I mean, he, he steps on campus, 
And sometimes it just doesn't work out. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes the kids go to college and, and they immediately know this isn't going to work out for me. This is not what I wanted. You know, sometimes these kids are stars in high school. Everything comes easy in high school. And then they get to college and everyone on the college team was a star in high school. And, and suddenly it becomes work more than it is fun. And maybe it's one of those things. And if that's the case, well, I mean, good luck in life. I mean, just uh, we, sorry it didn't happen for you to you, but you don't hold any ill will towards the kid, right? No, I don't think anyone who is an Oklahoma fan will. Um, that's one of those products that we'll see maybe somewhere down the line at another school. But we won't know what he could have become at Oklahoma because, honestly, his career ended before it really took off or even got started. I agree with you, though. Um, different things happen. Different things come up, whether that's family-related, whether that's personal, etc. But a kid's got to do what's best for him in that moment and live with no regrets. And I, I hope that Dalton Wood has an excellent future at whatever he does, whatever that may be. Okay, so camp's opened up. Now, the players are there. Again, Roberts hopefully will, will be on campus sometime soon. But, I mean, all eyes now are on the quarterback position. It goes, from a, it goes from a topic of conversation to really something that you monitor. You, you're, you know how Bob Stoops is and his coaching staff. There's not going to be a whole lot that's open to the public, a whole, not a whole lot that's open to the media. So you got to hear what you hear from uh, in between the lines, so to speak. Um, I have a question for you. Don't, don't tell me who your guy is yet. But at what point, at what point do you expect there to be an announcement as to who the starting quarterback is at the University of Oklahoma. How long? Thursday, it's opened up. Practice has started. It's July. It's July. I wish it was July because, no, I don't wish it was July. It's August 6th. After this point, because obviously no one's going to get named the first day, who gets, who gets named? I mean, not who, but when? When do they name the starting quarterback? Saturday, the first Saturday in September. I say that, and here's why. Here's my reasoning. Let me do a little bit of explaining. I do believe that over the course of time, different coaches have taken different approaches, and we see these unique skill sets with the quarterback, specifically at Oklahoma. And I do fully understand that within that realm of these different unique talents, that you want your defense prepping for multiple guys to keep them off guard, to keep them guessing, not knowing who's going to start. So they technically would have to prepare for two, potentially three different quarterbacks. And yes, I know that you're saying that this is just Akron, but nonetheless, I don't expect there to be an announcement until we get a little bit closer to that starting date, maybe the week of. Um, it wouldn't shock me if it came before that, but I don't expect one until that point. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, look, I... I'm going to disagree with you. I mean, I think we're close. I mean, but I think, I think before the end of the month, I think before we hit September, we have an announcement as to who the starting quarterback is. I, I don't think – here's the deal. I mean, here's my take on what you just said. If they have to kind of keep the quarterback position a secret until uh, the Akron game because they, want, they don't want Akron to, to scheme – then OU's in a lot of trouble as it is, okay? <laughs> My point is, I think July, or Ju I keep saying July, I think August 28th-ish, going into that final week, I think we're going to have a starter named. 
Um, but if I'm, I'm understanding you, you think it could go all the way to the game day. It could be a game day decision, and you'll see what number trots out there on the field when, this, when the offense takes the first snap. Yeah, I honestly believe that it, and in the past, I, I'm taking what we've learned in history and applying that to the future here. And so when I'm looking at the past, how many times has this Oklahoma staff listed two guys at the same position, whether that be running back, whether that be receiver, whether that be tight end, whether that be linebacker, whatever that is, there's always an or listed there. I do feel like we'll see that kind of situation, and that may play out for two or three weeks into the season. I don't think I'm going to take that back two or three weeks because Tennessee's coming up pretty quickly after Akron. So they've got to decide on a starter. And like I said, I do think it could go up to the Saturday, the first Saturday there in September when OU takes the field for the first time in Norman. But I don't see it playing out much longer than that. All right, so who's your guy? Who do you want to see win the job? Now, I mean, granted, I think we want the best candidate to win the job, okay? I'll give you an example I'm saying. I want the best guy to win this job, to get the best guy to run this offense to give Oklahoma their best shot of success. That's why I want to win this job. But I want that guy to be Baker Mayfield. Okay, so that's, that's my guy, Baker Mayfield. How do you feel about it? You know, we had mentioned reading between the lines, and one of the things that Bob Stoops said during the Big 12 um, presser, the, the media days, was that, I don't know whether he intended to, if I read too much into it, how that really is going to play out, but he seemed to separate the top two, Trevor Knight, Baker Mayfield, as the guys going forward and that they would decide from there. So I do feel as though it's down to Trevor Knight and Baker Mayfield, no slight to anyone else. But if I had to pick my guy, I still think Trevor Knight's got the respect of the team. I still think he's a leader, but I'm going with you, man. I'm trying to set you up to think I'm going somewhere else. But I'm still coming back to Baker Mayfield. I I think he may have the better arm, be more accurate. He may not be as athletic as Trevor Knight, but again, that's the beauty of having two quarterbacks with different skill sets. You can put them in in different situations and have them do different things, but I do think that guy currently is Baker Mayfield. I, I mean, I, I agree with you on Cody Thomas. I think Bob Stutes made it clear. It's it's Baker Mayfield, it's Trevor Knight, and then, you know, Cody Thomas is on the team. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, he, he clear, but he clearly said he said he's a step behind or, or whatever. Um, but the point is, I think it has to be Baker Mayfield. I, I mean, I think, I think the fans, it's crazy because I've been around for longer than you have, clearly. Um, and it's, it's all, I can't remember the last time an OU athlete went from such elation with the fans to just please don't let him play football anymore. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you, now, without getting in trouble. There, there have been guys who have gotten in trouble and the fans all of a sudden don't want to have anything to do with them anymore. Um, that, that kind of thing. But for, for a guy who's, by all accounts, a great person and really has good leadership skills to go from the elation of that Sugar Bowl to just the, the pick six fest that it was really last year, uh, I don't. I mean, I think it has to be Mayfield. But but the reality is, both of those guys are turnover prone. Baker Mayfield had a great freshman campaign at Texas Tech in 2013, named Big 12 Freshman of the Year for offense. But he threw a lot of interceptions that year as well. I think he only played like like nine or ten games. But he had a, a high number of picks. And Trevor Knight, we we know he's turned into a pick machine as well. 
Is there any chance, any way you see Cody Thomas working his way back into this thing? Because I don't, but, I mean, that's just me. I, I think it's, it's Baker Mayfield or bust. I really do. Because, and I'll tell you the reason why it has to be Baker Mayfield in just a minute. But do, do you think, I mean, is there any chance for Cody Thomas, should he go back to baseball or should he stay trying this whole football thing? I think he will stick with football. That was a decision, obviously, as a college kid, I don't think he took very lightly. I think it was something he weighed the options, weighed the potential, weighed the future, and had a lot of factors coming in on that. And at the end of the day, we know that football won out. I don't think he's going to take back that commitment. I think he will stick it out regardless of what happens. I think he'll finish his career with Oklahoma. Does he have a chance at working back in this year? I wouldn't say so. Um, there's always the potential for energy energy, excuse me, injury. There's always the potential for injury, which I'm not wishing upon anyone, regardless if they're from Texas or regardless if they're from another rival. I don't wish injury upon anyone, but at the end of the day, do you need three quarterbacks? I do believe you, you should keep three on the roster. Well, Hopefully, there's potential for energy as well. I'm just saying. The I mean, soccer team down the street. They, like, are they doing they, good? They, right now? they need this team needs energy. I, I agree. I, like, here's why it has to be Mayfield. We talked about Nye. We talked about how far his star has fallen with the fans, and you can't help but think that that relates to the team as well. I mean, you can't help but think that these guys see what Knight has done. He's injury prone. We know that for sure through two years. He's turnover prone. We know that for sure for two years. I, I think you have to have a fresh start. I think with a with a with a brand new offensive coordinator, you got a brand new crop of receivers, you got a star at running back in Samaj P. Ryan. You gotta get solid at the quarterback. The the quarterback position has to contribute in a positive way this year. And I think to really get that vibe that you're looking for, you gotta start fresh. And to start fresh, you go back to the 2013 Offensive Freshman of the Year in Baker Mayfield. He's the only one with experience. I mean, Trevor Knight, let's give him credit. He's the most experienced quarterback in an Oklahoma uniform. But Baker Mayfield, at the end of the day, is the most experienced quarterback in this type of system. And you need a fresh start. And the fans are probably going to boo if Trevor Knight takes the first snap. I would completely disagree with you. Um, I do think that there were some major hurdles that Trevor Knight had to overcome and we saw that he couldn't overcome those things. And you can argue it one way or the other, saying that the quarterback makes the receivers or the receivers make the quarterback or they are all tied in as one. And without one, you can't have the other, vice versa. When I'm looking at the quarterback, Trevor Knight has the skills. I believe Baker Mayfield has those same skills or He's, as I mentioned, he's not as good of a runner, I believe, as Trevor Knight. He's got a good arm. He can make plays. We've seen that at what, with what he did at Texas Tech. But at the end of the day, the only receiver Trevor Knight had to throw to, Sterling Shepard. If these guys progress like we think they progress, if D.D. Westbrook comes in and is who we think he can be, I think Trevor Knight could have a completely different season, completely turn that corner and be a new quarterback with this new system. But my question is, I mean, and I'm not discrediting any of that. Okay. And 
And I, I'm, I'm a believer that receivers make the quarterback. I really do. I mean, I, I, we, we, you and I have had that argument, okay? I, I don't know if you remember going back into that whole, uh, uh, the bowl game, you know, last year, and you were all like, hey, it's going to happen. And I was like, no, it's not going to happen because there are no receivers. Do you remember that? I do. Okay, I do, I'm, unfortunately. I, have, <laughs> I, think I, I think I lost, was on the losing side of that argument. I, we, we don't keep record here. But I'm just saying, I'm, I'm a believer that... I haven't changed my position on it. By the way, it's starting to storm here at the Crimson and Cream Machine recording studio. Should we be concerned? No, not okay. at all. Um, I, I haven't changed my stance. I believe the receivers make the quarterback. And I, I, I predicted going into that bowl game that it was going to be a bad performance. It didn't matter if it was Trevor Knight or if it was Cody Thomas. There were no receivers. That's changed, apparently. There are receivers on campus now. <laughs> Uh, Sterling Shepard's healthy. You already mentioned D.D. Westbrook. I mean, there, there, there's a new crop of guys. We already talked about Mark Andrews. But that said, I still think that even favors Baker Mayfield more because he already has the experience. He has the experience in this type of offense. You have to make a quick decision, a quick read, get the ball out of your hands very fast in this offense. And I think Baker Mayfield's better, better suited for that. I think we're on the same page here. Uh, we both have stated that Baker Mayfield will be the guy who trots out there. He will be the number one guy come September. Trevor Knight will be that number two and Cody Thomas the step behind. I agree with what you're saying. You can't knock experience. You can't knock pure and raw talent, though, either. And so... It'll be interesting to see how they use both of these quarterbacks if they decide to. I know in the past we've had a two-quarterback system with Blake Bell running the belldozer. Trevor Knight not quite big enough, not quite the same size that Blake Bell was to run a similar system. But I think they could use him, like I said, maybe even throw two quarterbacks out there, have Trevor Knight line up as a wide receiver, have him line up in the slot and do some different things with him that we haven't seen before. I don't think so. I don't. I, I, okay. I'm sorry. Okay. I, 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 I just mean, here's where, here's where I think I think what this coaching staff has to do, because this is such a, a volatile issue that affects not just the fan base who pays the bills, but the chemistry of the team as well. I think this coaching staff has to say this is our guy. This is who it is. It's Trevor Knight. It's Baker Mayfield. We'll throw Cody Thomas a bone. It's Cody Thomas. Whoever they pick, it has to be that guy because you can't have a guy looking over his shoulder. You can't have a guy afraid to make a play because if he messes up, the next guy's coming in the game. So because of that reason, I, I think it has to be clearly defined. This is our guy, and I don't think, I don't think there's, some, there's, there's a, a thought out there that they'll play both of them against Akron, and then they'll take the better of the two against Tennessee. I don't think you can do that. I think they can both play against Akron because I think it'll be that kind of game where you get, you know, you clear the bench and you get as many guys in as you can. But the reality of the situation is I, before Akron, you got to have a quarterback that you say, this is it. This is our starter. This is our guy. Here's who we're going with. And he is the starter. He's QB number one on this team. And it has to be clear cut before the season starts. That's my two cents. I can't fault you there. Um, I do 100% agree there can't be a divisiveness. There can't be players taking sides. I know Ty Darlington talks extremely highly of Trevor Knight and his character. 
But at the end of the day, I'm with you. It, it's got to be Baker Mayfield at this point. Well, Trevor Knight is a great character. I mean, he's a great character person. And I think they made the right decision of taking him to Dallas for Big 12 Media Day because he's a great ambassador for the University of Oklahoma. And, and honestly, he's still QB1 until an announcement is made that he's not. But character doesn't keep you from throwing interceptions. I mean, it's that's true. just it's the reality of the situation. All right, so at CrimsonCreamMachine.com, and I owe you an apology. I'm going to go ahead and publicly apologize here. It's going to be recorded. It's going to go out on the Internet, and it will be there for all of eternity. You did, you did your bold predictions post at CrimsonCreamMachine.com, and I failed to participate in that. I wasn't trying to big shot you or big time you, even though I am a big shot. and a big, I'm, I'm so not a big shot. But whatever. I just didn't participate in that, and it's my bad. I just Time slipped by, and I hope we can move on and still be friends. Uh, but whatever, if, if we can't. Um, so I'm going to go over your bold predictions that you had on there. Uh, and this is, you, you went out, talk, talk about how this came into play. Uh, you, you went out and you solicited, we talked about the Crimson and Cream Machine writing staff, and you solicited everybody. And then did, did everybody except for me give one of these predictions? <laughs> Basically, and Matt, I'm not saying that to be harsh or critical. I know that we're all busy, and it was really, if you could get it done on your own time, that was fantastic. If you couldn't, no big deal. We'd just move along, put up some posts. Um, as the football season's getting closer, our schedules do get a little bit more packed. The school semester kicking back in as well. Our, our schedules are getting a little bit more packed. So I'm not faulting you for not participating in that, nor am I holding it against you. Sweet. Okay, so I'm going to go through the bold predictions that you guys came up with. Talk about for just a second. If you can remember, tell me who did what on these bold predictions, okay? No, number one, you have the Sooners will lead the conference in passing defense, which this is bold. I mean, you talk about uh, what they did last year. I, I can tell you that this isn't going to happen giving Baylor a 15-yard cushion. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, who, whose prediction was that? That one was actually mine. Okay. Um, and again, as you mentioned, that was a bold prediction. I wanted to go with something that I was more hopeful of than what I could think realistically would happen. And that is why they're called bold predictions. They're not give me predictions. They're not, hey, I'm going to shoot low and then hope that I overachieve. No, we're shooting for the stars here and hoping it happens. But realistically, we know there's a good chance that another avenue may take root versus the one we've laid out here. Well, I think with with uh, the, the coaching changes and so forth, there's there's a good shot that the secondary will be much improved. Over, they have to be much improved. I mean, I don't think it can get worse. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I, but I, that is a good, a good bold prediction. I, I do like the, the decision to move Mike Stoops upstairs, but Bob Stoops said Big 12 media days that that's not for sure a done deal. They're going to play with that. Well, I, I'm curious to see where Mike Stoops stands on September 6th when this season opens up. Okay, number, number two. Uh, Oklahoma will go undefeated at home. I, I got to give you this. Uh, I see this as more of a possibility than number one. Wh Whose who's bold prediction was this? Cayman threw that one at me. Now, the, the caveat here is TCU and Norman. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing, and I don't want to open up this whole can of worms again between TCU and Baylor, but the reality is Baylor was the Big 12 champion last year. I mean, they, they, they represented the Big 12 as the champion, or at least they should have if our commissioner – had a clue, Baylor should have been in the college football playoff. That said, TCU was playing better football at the end of the season last year than Baylor was. And Oklahoma played TCU in Waco, not in Waco, in Fort Worth, a lot better than they played Baylor in Norman. 
Now, you can make your argument about the two different types of football teams at that point with the Sooners. But the reality is Oklahoma's a pick six and a fourth down stop away from probably beating TCU in Fort Worth. And I, I, think, I, I don't think it's unreasonable to think that they can go undefeated at home. Number three, D.D. Westbrook and Sterling Shepard will both eclipse the 1,000-yard receiving mark. Joey. Um, Joey had that, that one, one, huh? I think it is a bold prediction. I mean, you cannot deny that. I went and looked up the stats, and Oklahoma hasn't had just a 1,000-yard single, 1,000-yard receiver since uh, Ryan Broyles was on the roster. So that is a bold prediction. If they're moving to the air raid, could it be possible? That's the real question. I, I think it's, it's very – not only is it very possible, I think it's probable. <laughs> I, I'm serious. I mean, I, again, I would rank this one ahead of not picking on you, but I would rank this one ahead of your prediction about Oklahoma's secondary as Which well. Which is okay. Be, because, just because of what they're going to do with the mm-hmm. offense. I mean, we, I mean, first of all, and we'll get in, into this more as the season approaches, but I think that whatever, whoever the quarterback is, their primary job is to turn and hand the ball to Samaj P. Ryan. I mean, uh, I mean that they're, they're going to run the football. This will be, regardless of what people have this mindset about Lincoln Riley, Lincoln Riley's not a fool because if he was, he wouldn't be where he is right now. <laughs> it's true. Lincoln Riley said Wednesday at the luncheon thingy jiggy wogger where he and Bob Stoops and Mike Stoops spoke, he said, we have the best backfield in the nation and we intend to use them. And so I think this whole offense, it's going to be spread. The football is going to fly everywhere, but it's going to be predicated on running the football. Samaj P. Ryan first and foremost. Hold up. That said, I think you have a chance if you get the quarterback to go back to the days of Mark Cooper, Mark Cooper, uh, Mark Bradley, Mark Bradley, Mark Clayton, and who was the third white guy, third guy there? I said a white guy, didn't I? He did. Who was the third guy in that? There was Mark. There was Bradley. There was. Uh, there was um, Clayton, and then there was a third dude. Yep. And I. Yeah. He, had you not asked the question? Whatever. We're fantastic. Maybe, maybe it's the first podcast of the season and we're acting like it. But that said, <laughs> I, I think there's a chance to have that kind of ball distribution with this offense. And, and I, I, think, I think it's probable that you have two 1,000-yard receivers. The reason that I lean towards the opposite end of that spectrum is I think Joe Mixon is the, the X factor in that he's the wild card. How are they going to use him? In what capacity do we see him coming out of the backfield as an all-purpose Brandon back Jones. as he's been labeled? Do we see him coming out of Sorry, it was, out of that's how my mind works. I have to relax it for just a minute. And it, some, I mean, my brain just slapped itself and said, Brandon Jones, go ahead. But coming out of the backfield, what's he going to do? How many, By the way, he played for the Tennessee Titans for a little bit. I mean, it's not like how, he was a nobody that we just Paul's, forgot. How, how many receptions... Will Mixon take away from guys like Westbrook and Sterling Shepard? That's that's the one wild card X factor that could potentially decide if it's two or if it's one. Because I do think that Sterling Shepard, each year that he's been on the field, he's been a thousand yard receiver. Last year he had the injury, which held him up at like 970 or 972. You had to think that he would have cracked that getting injured at Iowa State. Well, I agree. I agree 100% with you. But I also think about what you're saying with Sterling Shepard. But I also think I would say Alex Ross is more of a wild card in this mix than even Joe Mixon is. I think Joe Mixon will carry the football more times than Alex Ross. But 
I think Alex Ross becomes your speed guy. Man, if I'm Lincoln Riley, I'm putting Alex Ross in motion so many times to get him on that edge. Uh, I think whether it's a jet sweep or whether it's just a flare out there to the, to the edge or whether they see him streaking up the sidelines. He, he's got the speed already. He's, I mean, he's a track star, basically, in a football uniform. And once you get him downfield, you get him in motion, get him downfield, go, go vertical with him. And I think he becomes more of a wild card. Okay, the number four on your bold prediction was OU will beat Baylor in Waco this year. And that one belongs to Donnie. Bless your heart, Donnie. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to... I don't want to poo-poo all over this, but I got to see some things for from OU before I can get on board with this bold prediction. I would actually, I mean, and again, this is probably going to get us some hate mail here because um, the season hasn't even started, but I'm actually going to say your defensive backs have a better chance of being the top in the conference than OU has of winning in Waco just because you have to go back and look at the last two times OU's played Baylor in Waco, and then you look at the last year when they played him in Norman, all of it, none of it is pretty. And so, and then you left number five there to the, to the readers, which I assume number five was, was supposed to be my, my spot. <laughs> and, so it's all good. Like I said, no harm, no foul. Okay, so here's what we got in the comments section. I want to go. It's the voice says uh, for number five, uh, Samaje Pirine is invited to the Downtown Athletic Club as a Heisman Trophy finalist. Yay or nay on that? You, can you see that happening? Absolutely. Do I expect him to have the numbers that he had this previous year? Not necessarily. I do think defenses will key in on him. He is a known name, a known talent at this point in time for defenses. So I do think they'll key in on him. But he runs with authority. He's going to carry the ball more than just a handful of times per game. I absolutely think that he could end up um, on the Heisman finalist. Okay. Uh, Sooner, Sooner Lifer says, uh, I will go to Vegas and win a boatload of money by taking the over of nine wins for the Sooners. Over, under. If, you, if, it's at, if the mark's at nine, do, does OU win ten games this year? Or do they win eight? What do you think? If you had to, if you had to wager uh, your fat paycheck on this, are you wagering the over or the under? I actually would go the over as well. I'm buying into the idea of revamped team, of experience, gaining valuable knowledge of what to do on the field. I'm buying into all of that hype, regardless if other people are or not at this point. And I do think an eight and five season, a replica of last year, wouldn't do essentially money coming in, butts and seats wouldn't do it any good. I do think that they will be better than they were last year, so I'm going with the over. Does that include a bowl game is what I'm wondering? No, not at this point in time. So you're saying you're going over nine wins without yeah. the bowl game. Here's the thing is I I think the big men on the target, uh, big, that was not a good phrase at all. We're just going to Big men at target, huh? Shopping with credit cards or what? <laughs> I don't know if we can recover from that, man. <laughs> The, the big targets that Oklahoma is looking at, you have Tennessee, you have TCU, you have Baylor, all preseason ranked teams inside the top 25 and the two inside the top five. When you look at those, those teams, if they can get past Tennessee, they can drop that one to TCU, they can drop that one to Baylor, and they would still be at that 10 win mark. It's, yeah, I don't, I just, I don't, I, I really think they go undefeated at home this year, and, which is crazy for me. Okay, because mm-hmm. here's where I am. 
I, I think that they go undefeated at home this year. But I, if I would had to bet money, I, would, I don't know if I would bet on 10. I don't know if I would bet the over just because I guess I'm just being a bad fan right now. But I see your point. But I, I would say, you know, what you're saying, even if they lose in Knoxville and they lose in Waco, that's still, you know, 10 wins. So they're going to have to drop. They have Kansas State on the road, though. And I wasn't thinking. Kansas State Bill, does. Get, first of all, Bill Snyder's the wizard. And yes. I know I see the face you're making. Yes, yes and I, And do. I know what you're thinking. But this, I don't, this will be Bill Snyder's best coaching job ever if he keeps them on par with even what they were last season. I'm not saying that he has to keep them on par. I'm saying Well, they have to be to on par is... to beat OU. I, I mean, they have to be on par last season to beat OU, even in Manhattan, in my opinion. Okay. So I, I'm chalking that up on my little, on my little Matt Hofeld, Oklahoma <laughs> Sooners 2015 schedule. I've already taken my Sharpie and marked the W there against the Wildcats. Okay. Just saying. All right. Um... Sooner Red Wings says, boldest move. Bob makes his best move yet. He moves Mike away from the secondary and into the press box. This will pay off huge for the Sooners. Cooks and OU, uh, Cooks and, Cooks and OU will finally have a D that is good and on the edge of being great. For this to show up, we must first wait until for the real test of the season with the Vols. And finally... It will be the return of the tight end. Sorry, I'm having some hard times with typing and so forth uh, with uh, reading these comments. Okay, so let's talk about this. Uh, the return of the tight end, the move of Mike Stoops. Is that really bold? Because I think it was necessary. I, I, I agree with what, uh, what Sooner Red Wings is saying, but the reality is I think they had to move Mike Stoops. It was, uh, I think Mike Stoops should not be employed right now at the University of Oklahoma. But since he did stay, I think there had to be a transition, Correct. I do agree with you. Um, I know at the end of last season, a lot of people thought that that was one of the moves that would have been made. I know a lot of people were calling for Josh Heupel to be removed as well, and you're looking at what each each unit had done, offense, defense, saying, I think someone else can come in and do better with a talent that is on the roster. So I completely agree it was a necessary move. Was it a bold move? I mean, that's family, man. Come on now. No, but I'm, family gets you fired. I mean, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I mean, family gets you fired. You can't – Bob Stoops is smart. I don't know. I, I, think, I mean, I'm not going to pretend like family didn't have anything to do with it. But, I mean, again, I think Mike Stoops should have gone out the door with some of these other guys. And the fact that he's staying – Okay, now you got to prove it. You got to prove that you deserve mm-hmm. to be here. Yeah, and, absolutely. And so I think there had to be a change. All right, the other thing on, on CrimsonCreamMachine.com uh, comments um, DG Bender says QB sacks, bold prediction. OU leads the Big 12 in number of quarterback sacks. I mean, come on, Eric Stryker's on this team, so, right? I mean, yeah, I would have ventured the first thought that crossed my mind when I was putting this post together was the opposite that Oklahoma would give up the least number of sacks in the Big 12. And they're replacing a handful of guys along the offensive line. And as you and I have spoken before, we know that the offensive line is only as strong or only as good as the weakest link. What are they going to be able to produce? I expect them to protect the quarterback. I expect them to open up lanes for a guy like Samaj P. Ryan. But when it comes down to it, 
can they actually do those things on a consistent basis? And so do I think that Oklahoma can lead the, the conference in sacks? Absolutely. You're talking about Eric Stryker. I'm throwing in Charles Tapper as well. But on the other side of the ball, can they, can they lead the conference in giving up the least number of sacks? That's what I'd be more interested in. Yeah, it's your story. And and one thing to keep in mind with on with Oklahoma's offense, I think they're going to have to go ground control. I think they have the horses to do it and those running backs we talked about. And that could come into play when you talk about your 1,000-yard receivers and so forth. Okay, so flip it over from Crimson and Cream Machine to the social media page to our, our Crimson and Cream Machine Facebook page. Clifford Payne says, um, I think he's talking directly to you here. He says, yeah. uh, predicting yeah. the OU secondary to be the best in the conference is pretty ballsy, considering how bad it's been in recent years. Uh, Joe Ogletree says, no chance the secondary will be the best in the conference. Uh, number two, I can see OU beating TCU. Number three, without an accurate passer on campus, I can't see 2,000-yard receivers. I can see Shepard with 1,000, Westbrook 800, and Mixon with 300. Number four, OU will have the uh, – uh-oh, I hit the wrong button – I clicked on someone's name instead. Uh, oh, number four, OU will have the secondary to beat Baylor or will not have the secondary to beat Baylor. I think I agree with that one. And number five, if Gallimore is healthy, he will be the breakout star this year. Uh, Jerry Strickland says, you said bold. I say championship number eight. I think we're all on board with you there, Jerry. Tom Truman, Joe Mixon has more yards from scrimmage than Samaj P. Ryan. Both eclipsed 1,500 yards of total offense. Not, not 1,500 yards rushing, but 1,500 yards of total offense. What do you think about that one? I mean, could Joe Mixon be that guy that actually, I mean, we all talked about Samaj P. Ryan last year, but let's remember, I really think if Joe Mixon doesn't get in trouble, then Samaj P. Ryan probably gets redshirted last year and doesn't even play. Is there a chance that Joe Mixon is better than Samaj P. Ryan to the tune that he'll get more y- rushing yards? There's always a chance. Will it happen? My mindset says no at this point. I just don't know how you take a guy who was a one-man wrecking ball and shut him down. How you take a guy who set the NCAA record for single-game rushing yards and you shut him down. Or let's not say you shut him down, but as a teammate, you are able to eclipse. You are over to outdo what Samaj P. Ryan does. I don't see it happening. Joe Mixon, don't get me wrong here. Great talent, phenomenal talent that we'll see on the field this year, but he won't be used in the same way that Samaj P. Ryan has been used, in my opinion. Can they both get a thousand yards rushing? Can we have a DeMarco Murray and a, a Chris Brown type duo running back, um, stable of running backs, if you will? Can we have that kind of unit once again? Absolutely. Okay, Mike Riley. Not that Mike Riley, former coach of the Oregon State Beavers. Mike Riley says, OU will surprise as much this year as they did last year, only in the opposite direction. On paper, they have a better team than last year, and people forget that last year they were a 20-yard field goal, an extra point, and a crazy do-over punt from being 11-2 and two at worst. Much better team than record indicated. They can beat everyone on their schedule, including TCU and Baylor. I predict 11-1 and one and a possible shot in the national semis. you got to love the enthusiasm of Oklahoma fans a month before the season starts. Ricky Klein says 11-2 and two and a rematch with Bama. Losses to Kansas State and to Baylor. OU is notorious for laying an egg at some point. My guess 
Is he you've been talking to this guy? My guess it'll be on the road against the cats. Bill always seems to have our number. Uh, last one, uh, John, uh, I'm going to mess up your last name, so I'm just say John. John says, oh, you goes an 11-1, wins a tiebreaker with TCU and Baylor, then defeats an 11-1 Ohio State in the bowl game. Fast forward to September 11, 2016, OU beats Ohio State for the second time in eight months and the 2016 home opener. <laughs> That's bold, That's my bold, man. man. That is, that is bold. bold. I think that one will take the cake for our, our bold predictions. And I was asking for some help with that number five bold prediction as we left it blank on the site. So I may award that fifth spot right there because, man, I'm looking for bold and that one it, hits the mark. I don't, I don't think you can get, mu- get much no, more bold at all. than that. No, not at all. Okay, last thing on social media. We, we put out on Facebook. By the way, if you haven't liked us on Facebook, we'd very much like you to do that uh, because we ask questions like this. I just said throw out some discussion topics for us for uh, the Sooner Nation podcast tonight. And um, here's, here's a couple of things. Just, I'm going to pick off of that, that comment. Um, why do fans care so much what uniform the Sooners wear? I don't think it's fans that care as much as it is the players. I think it is the fans. Do you? I do. And there has been some debate each and every time this rumor swirls about a new uniform or an alternate uniform. And in defense of the guy who initially posted it, his wording was T-shirts. Everyone took that and spun it to say uniform. And it kind of got out of control this week, this past week. But again, like I said, it never said uniform. It said T-shirt in his defense. The fans are the ones who always jump on board and say, you don't want to ruin tradition. You don't want to go against what has been. OU is this national brand. Why switch it up? And then on the flip side, we have the Oregons. We have the Oklahoma States. We have a handful of Nike schools and a handful of Under Armour schools who are rolling out some of the most ridiculous uniforms that you've ever seen. And granted, some of those are pretty darn ugly, but on the flip side is that's what the recruits want. If we're pulling in better recruits, I don't know how the fans couldn't get on board, but every time we talk about switching the uniforms, the fans have a heyday. And <laughs> me being of a younger generation than some of these Oklahoma fans that are currently out there attending games and yelling their heads off every Saturday, I like the alternate ideas. Some of them, not as much as others, but I like to see them. But see, I think it's more about the players and the fans. I mean, I, I know there's this big debate. Like they, fit, like they care, like you said. I mean, some of them, they want to stick to the tradition, don't change it. You know, it's part of who we are as Oklahoma. But I can tell you, as a dad who's had his son go through the recruiting process and who signed a national level intent to play college football, the uniform that they wore and the alternates, and the, whether it's Nike or Adidas or whatever, that played a part in his decision. I never thought it did. I never thought it was a big deal until we took a campus visit. And on the way home, they, they, think about this, okay? They go on a campus visit, and for people who have never experienced anything like this, they walk you around campus. They show you all the cool spots on campus. They take you in the locker room. They show you what your locker is going to look like. They walk you out onto the field. They do a, a couple of a, uh, you know video highlights with you and show you some of the plays. You get extensive time with your position coach. They feed you. They do all these things, and then they break out the uniforms. 
And they let you put this uniform on and take your photos. And they say, here's the other uniform and here's this. I mean, and they go, I mean, they have an extensive presentation that shows you all the combos, right? So my kid has just been shown the dorms. He's met with academic advisors. He's been in the, in the, in the classrooms. He, uh, he's been all over campus. He's eaten the food. He's been on the field. He's met with the coaches. He's looked at plays. They've discussed with him how he fits within that program. And on the way home, he wanted to talk about uniforms. I mean, that's all he wanted <laughs> yep. to talk about was all the uniforms. Yep. <laughs> and so because of that, I say it's more about uniforms for the students, I mean, for the kids, for the players. Mm-hmm. And that spurs the conversation for the fans. Uh, sure, the fans weigh in on it. The fans have an opinion about it. And, and obviously, they care one way or the other. And maybe some of them don't care at all. But the reality is... I think that's all motivated by the kids. That's all motivated as, like you said, a recruiting tool, and it's motivated as, you know, as something for the, the, the student athletes. And Bob Stoops even said last year that the team captains would be the ones who determined when OU would wear the alternates and when they wouldn't. It, I just think it's a, t- it's a thing for the kids more than anything else, but, hey, I'm an old man, whatever. It, it may very well be. The idea for this year, I know that was being tossed around, was the idea of a black jersey versus a a white one. So replace all of the white with black, and then you'd have red shoulders. Would people like that? Maybe not, because it's not traditional colors. Would the students like that? But see, this is different, though, because that's all motivated by the whole fraternity thing that happened. No, no, no. No, it is. I mean, that's, that's when that all started. That's what, I guarantee you follow that back. this one. There's no way because Ohio State had one, Texas yeah, had but, one. Yeah, but when did Oklahoma start talking about it? Last and year. It, uh, it started in the spring. Yeah, well, last it, school year. In the spring me. when all this went down, mm-hmm. and I thought Bob Stoops handled that whole situation with complete class, giving his guys a chance to voice themselves. But then all of a sudden you start, you know, they wore the black uh, shirts uh, for that that portion of spring yep. and, and then all of a sudden as we're reaching the spring game you begin to hear the rumors that OU is going to be using a black maybe using a black alternate uniform and it wasn't just them that was something that trickled out to other sports to other athletes softball uh, yeah, was yeah. participating in that so I can see where you're coming from but I do feel as though a lot of those are social media catches wind of something and it gets blown way out of proportion and maybe it trickles back down into the the body of athletes that are on campus I'm reaching here if you want the honest truth I could see it happening like that but I understand where you're coming from and that that's a good point and and by the way I mean I, I if they do that which is I'm I'm not for that nor against that I mean I think I can see the reason why they would do that I just hope it's a night game or it's later in the season when it's not 100 <laughs> degrees outside if they decide to do that okay I hope they don't come out against Akron in black uniforms what I'm saying just because of the heat index but if they do that I I completely get the reason why but that's that's a totally different reason that's a whole different bag as opposed to the other alternate uniform, well, it's not a recruiting tool. Let's exactly. just label it's it. It's a as statement. That. Yeah, it's a mm-hmm. statement more than anything else. Okay, the second thing I pulled off of our Facebook page: How long will it take for the Sooner faithful to ultimately forgive Joe Mixon? Now, this is this is a can of worms here. Okay, it is because I think there are some who still. I mean, there's some comments even on our website. There are some who still 
hold this against Joe Mixon. Now, I can guarantee you Oklahoma State, Texas, Texas Tech, those schools are going to use this for however long Joe Mixon's on campus. They're going to use it against him. I, I personally believe he's going to be on campus. T- if he's going to be on campus two more seasons. If he turns out to be the player that we all suspect him to be, he's got two years left because I think he's a three-year guy, and we've already he, – he wasted one year of that. But I think he got two more years with him. But that also said, I think it's water under the bridge at this point. I mean, it's always going to be there. It's always going to be a part of his history. And, and I, don't, I don't support what he did. I think it's, it's atrocious what he did. I, I can't come up with a reason to defend him for doing it. But he lost a year of, of football. He, I mean, he was suspended essentially for an entire season. And, and everyone has said, Adrian Peterson, Adrian Peterson, and labeling this guy in, in comparison with talent. And so that's a big loss for this football team. And it's a big loss for Joe Mixon. But I think it's, you know, he's, he did what he was supposed to do. He set out. He paid his dues. Let the kid play football now. I, again, I don't support him. I don't support what he did. I don't condone what he did. And I even, if you, if you push me on it, I would, I would even say he probably shouldn't even be in uniform. But he is in uniform. And he's paid his dues. And he's cleaned. I mean, he's been in class outside of a random tweet here and there saying he's going to, what, dedicate the season to his haters. <laughs> but, I mean, that's, that's a kid, okay? But I think for the majority of Oklahoma fans, it's done. It's over with. I don't think they'll hold it against him. I, I think there will be a few, and those few that still hold it against him, they're just going to say, I don't like this kid. I don't like the person that he is. I don't like him on the team. I don't like OU because of that. Those guys will never let it go. They'll, they'll never reg- – I mean, Joe Mixon could hypothetically – lead Oklahoma to a national championship and win the Heisman Trophy. And that group right now that's still holding that against him will still hold that against him at that point. They're never going to let it go. So I think, I think those fans that have forgiven him and it's moved on, they, they're done. And the fans that are holding it against him will always hold it against him. I would agree with that. There was a consequence that was handed down regardless if we – or anyone else listening thought it was harsh enough if it was just right. I hate to make these porridge and Goldilocks kind of analogies with stuff like this, and that's exactly what happened. But regardless of how we felt about that consequence, I agree with you, Matt, in the fact that he did what was asked of him. He followed it up. All the repercussions that were handed down, he made good on each and every consequence and has essentially followed the law, if you will, that was written for him as a road to retribution. Whether we or anyone else thinks that that's fair, thinks that's right, it's not up to us, to be honest. And the university has handled that how they've chosen to handle that, and we can either support them or we can either not support them. But when it comes down to kids, kids make stupid mistakes. His just became a story that was a string of stories played out through the media. We can look at Ray Rice and Ray Rice not being forgiven by the NFL, at least by individual teams and franchises, because he's still looking for a team. Is it fair, like I said? Is it unfair? I mean, that's not for me to judge, and I've moved on. I agree with you in the fact 
that saying, I feel like a majority of fans have moved on, but you will have those people who hang on to it and take that with them to the grave. And they'll tell, you remember when this guy Joe Mixon played, or you remember when this guy Frank Shannon played, and so on, and so on, and so on. And that list will continue. And that's a good parallel to bring that into Frank Shannon as well. I mean, I mean, same, I think everything we've said for Joe Mixon applies to Frank Shannon also. Um, and here's, I mean, here, let me just, I'll, this is my closing statement on, on this su- subject, but flashback to July 25th, 2014, when this story broke about Joe Mixon, my, my thought, my initial thought was, holy cow, there's no reason, there's no way this kid will still be on the football team. And I didn't think he deserved to be on the football team. And like I said earlier, I, I would, you know, if you force me to vote, do we keep him or do we boot him? I still say boot him. Now, that said, as soon as they hand the ball, as soon as, as soon as the quarterback puts the ball in his gut, I'm screaming for him to take it to the house. You know what I'm saying? That's just, again, it's, it's done. It's, it's over. There's nothing, there's nothing that we can gain by rehashing this. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that makes the university better. There's nothing that makes Joe Mixon better. And you know what? There's nothing that makes us better as a person by bringing it up, continuing to bring it up. But, hey, I digress and get on my, my little soapbox there. All right, we have just a few minutes left before we close this out. So here, this is a great closeout conversation because this is a conversation that will not go away until the Big 12 either does it or the Big 12 closes its doors. What two teams could the Big 12 add that best fit the conference? I have an answer. Do you want me to give you mine first or do you want to take it away first? I'll go ahead and... I tell you what, let's do it this way. You give, give one, crack. then I'll give one. Okay. <laughs> That's that, fair. That works. Um, I'll tell you, as an outside chance, I would love to see the Big 12 at a school like Notre Dame. I don't think that'll happen. My first realistic team that I could potentially see being added to the conference is BYU. They make sense regionally. They make sense location-wise. They've been pretty good at football. They've played Texas for X amount of years in a row now. They've actually competed and won a handful of those games that they've played in Austin. I think they would be a great addition with what they bring to the table outside of um, Sports, but market-wise, that is a big footprint that BYU has. They're independent for a reason. So, again, I think they'd be great on multiple levels when you're looking at adding a, a program or a school. No, I think BYU is the perfect fit. I, I, I agree with you. That would be one of my two would be the Cougars for all the reasons you just mentioned. And, and when you look at recruiting your footprint, you want to go out west. I mean, Oklahoma's already getting California, but you had a school in Utah. You're already out west. You're in that market then all of a sudden your footprint gets bigger and California opens up even more to you. And BYU is a competitive team. I mean, you talked about Texas. Well, let's not forget uh, 2009 uh, season opener against the Sooners. And so BYU already has a track record of success within this conference uh, against conference opponents, and I, I think they're a natural fit. So I would agree with you. That would have been one of my two. The other one I have would be Cincinnati. And, and you know, Cincinnati – they're good from the standpoint that they give you a bridge between here, the, the regional area of the Big 12, and West Virginia, who is all the way up there all by themselves. You know, you got to have something in between, in my opinion. The per, in a perfect world, you would, they would have picked up Louisville. But, again, we, the Big 12 commissioner 
doesn't have much of a clue, I don't think, when it comes to that, or I'm missing something really, really big in that story. <laughs> but that said, I, I think I think Cincinnati they're they're gonna they're gonna compete. I would put them on par with the Texas Tech. Uh, and, and far as how their program is going to be football-wise, I'd put them right there with Texas Tech. And then they're going to add – I mean, can you imagine that as a basketball, what they'd add basketball to this conference? I think Cincinnati is – and, and BYU is going to add basketball to the conference too. BYU is no slouch when it comes to, to basketball. But I think Cincinnati definitely fits the bill because they're going to give you quality programs and they're right there in between the regional Big 12 area and they're in West Virginia. You got, you got another option? Because there's other options out there, but to me, Cincinnati BYU are the best too. Do you, is there somebody else? Who are you thinking for your other one? I think Cincinnati is a good one for the reasons that you've listed. I wish that I could say Louisville, but just to throw out another option, and a lot of people are going to hate this one, I think Boise State may make sense to add to the Big 12. I know that they've gone through conference realignment, but they're still not in one of the major five, in one of the big five conferences at this point in time. I think that they would leap at that opportunity. They've proven that they can compete on the big stage when it comes to football, regardless if people think that they have cupcakes for their entire season. They get into a bowl game as a a qualifier, if you will. Um, back when the BCS was around, we can name a couple of teams <laughs> that they beat, not wanting to bring up any bad memories again. But needless to say, like I said, Boise State has proven that they can compete at a high level. The only stipulation that I would put is that they get rid of the blue field. Outside of football, That I don't really feel like they're bringing a whole lot, though. So I like Cincinnati better than Boise State, but BYU better than both. I don't think Boise State makes much sense geographically because you've already got West Virginia so far north, but they're east. Granted, we want to move west, like we talked about with, with BYU, but BYU is, uh, but Boise is so far north again, and their opposite side of the country is West Virginia. North Dakota State. No, because <laughs> they'll beat Iowa State, South Dakota State, and Kansas State, and then they'll beat OU in basketball. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, um, I, I think there's some other schools that make sense. I think a school like um, like Rice or Houston would make sense just because it opens you back up into that, that Houston market that you lost when Texas A&M went to the SEC. But then you ask, ask yourself, do you want to add another Texas school? I think schools like South Florida Central and Central Florida make sense. People say, well, they're out there. They're so far out there by themselves. Hello, West Virginia. I mean, West Virginia's like, excuse me, we're, we're way up here by ourselves. And so for, if the Big 12 is willing to add West Virginia, I would think they would look at Central Florida or South Florida. There's options out there. And I think we're agreed that Cincinnati, BYU, probably the best two options. But the big question is when, if ever, would the Big 12 pull the trigger on this? And that's, that's, the, I mean, that's the $60 million question, literally. Yep. I would hope – I don't hope that the Big 12 gets left out of the the playoff but I do think if it's something that consistently happens they would have to do some serious evaluating and there would have to be some serious defending in order to stay at the current 10 teams now if the NCAA changes their rules and allows for a 10-team conference to have a championship game that may settle it and that may suffice for a while but I do agree in the future it would have to change with the, the landscapes always talking about adding 
going to 14, going to 16, when will that number stop? If the Big 12 can't even catch up to, say, the SEC or the Pac-12, they're going to get left in the dust because the Big 10 will pick up some teams in a hurry and the Big 12 will be left with no, no quality options and will become something on par with like the Mountain West Conference in my mind. All right, well, that's going to wrap it up for our first podcast of the 2015 football season. Uh, we'll be back next Thursday as well with more preview. We'll get into some running back and receiver stuff. And at some point, I guess we got to talk about defense as well. Feel free to leave your, uh, if, you, if you're at crimsonandcreammachine.com, give us some comments. Give us some feedback. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook. Uh, we would love for you to like our Facebook page and interact with us as, as well. Uh, Rich DeCray, I'm Matt Hofeld. You can catch us every day at crimsonandcreammachine.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a fantastic afternoon, evening, morning, whatever it is when you're listening. We'll talk to you next week. Boomer Sooner, everybody. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.